welcome to our podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Mandy. And we are Drama Bonded. And today we are going to talk about Vanderpump Rules Episode 2 and Bachelor Episode 3. We're doing a little experiment. Usually Jess and I kind of download before we sit down and talk about all the things we talked about on the episode. Um, you know, we, we kind of get each other's feels and reactions to certain things. But so many times when we have those conversations, I'm like, damn, I wish we were recording right now because we have like such great conversations. So I was like, let's not talk about it. Let's just sit down and record. So you're getting our raw <laughs> reactions to, well, mostly Vanderpump Rules because we have talked a little bit about The Bachelor. But yeah, not though, even that, not as much as uh, I think we have in the past. So yeah, yeah so we're just going to, we're kind of going into this episode blind to see how it goes. Yeah, I love a good free flow. Where do you want to start? Um, well, let's start with Vanderpump Rules. Okay. Uh, I've watched the after show this time, so we can definitely talk about that. Jess and I were both just commenting on how Ariana's look for the after show is fire. It is really, really good. She, yeah. She's she's crushing life. The bright blue, the Louis Vuittons, whoever did her glam, her, her hair, point, her short hair like that short hair is iconic. I'm I'm on season six where she cut her hair the first time and it's just such a great look for her. It is. It is. Um, Man, let's think. OK, there it is. I had my notes. Um, I just have to start off. And this is me being just such a nitpicky asshole. Do it. I did not like Tom's green blazer. It made him almost have like a 1990s Joker effect. Yeah. And I think I actually love the concept of a green tweed. Yeah. But it seemed like it was so unstructured. It just felt like, I don't know, something that somebody's grandma would wear. And no offense to anybody's grandma, but it just was not the level like, it's not the move Tom thought it was. Yeah, and, uh, you know, say all the things you can about Tom, but the one thing I think he does have going for him is he's very, he's a fashionista. He cares about fashion. He curates looks. Um, It's definitely a big part of his character in the show. And so for him to show up to these ITMs with this kind of ill-fitting, bright green leprechaun blazer that doesn't, flatter his complexion at all no nothing about that was a good look for tom yeah like tom what are you doing <laughs> mm, yeah not great um i really feel for Anne. yeah Anne. wow that felt like it was breaking the fourth wall like just collectively her having the conversation with tom and then ariana well i guess i mean they did talk about that that's how they were communicating with each other while living together um, before the season aired. So I guess that's us see- seeing how that worked. But man, she is also, at least from what we have seen, such a sweet, timid, non-confrontational person. And for her to have to navigate the treacherous seas of the t- phase of life that Tom and Ariana are in right now is really awkward to watch. It is. She was so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, like, um, okay, I can text that. But I already sent that because I have fast thumbs. I'm like, I feel you, girl. I am right there with you. I'm like, oh. I that's... also love how she's cringing when Tom is suggesting something like, 
let's just ask Ariana what she thinks about that. And she's like, uh, okay, if you really think that's a good idea, but you can read on her face that she thinks that's a really bad idea. She's like, we know what Ariana thinks about this. We don't need to ask. We just should not do it. And she's getting Ariana's reactions to Tom's requests, which are fire. Dude, I, I feel for both Anne and Ariana in that moment of just like, ooh. <laughs> Damn. Um, so Tom wants to throw a birthday party and Ariana is like, hard no. And Lala, for some reason, is like, let the man have a birthday party. What the fuck, Lala? There's something about Lala's energy coming into this episode and the after show where I feel like she's immediately kind of not on on team Ariana. I don't know where the, and I'm not saying she's team Sandoval, but all of a sudden it seems like she's like questioning Ariana's decisions, not really having Ariana's back kind of making like, I don't know. What would you say? Yeah. It almost is like she's projecting all of her own experiences onto Ariana and then surprised when Ariana isn't making the same decisions, but like it's Ariana's house. It's, um, they don't have a kid. Yeah. And, it, like the whole situation is just not Lala's situation. And so, you know, Lala moving out of Randall's home. Yeah, it was Randall's home. She did not own the house. She had a child that she wanted to protect. So that's understandable. Yeah. And but it's very different. It is completely different. Like Ariana is, an, is a, you know, at this point, a single woman responsible for herself. And I thought it was so interesting, too. She brought up in the after show just how expensive rent is. And like, yeah, why would she have to go spend thousands of dollars on rent when she can live in a house that she owns half of? And just because she's maybe making a bunch of money on some of these brand deals doesn't mean that she is obligated to go spend it. Yeah. Or did that like you don't even know how much she's making. I mean, I'm sure she made a lot, but I'm just saying like. Her money is her money and she gets to do with it what she wants to. And if she wants to save it because she eventually is planning on buying another house, then she should save it and buy another house. Yeah. And not have to blow through it fucking paying rent. I don't know. I just was like really taken aback by that. I'm like usually pretty team Lala. And in this case, I was definitely not. I was just like, girl, I need you to sit down and shut up, please. James was kind of calling Lala out like, uh, he was totally coming in for Ariana and being like, um, she doesn't have a kid. She is part owner of the house. Like he was kind of like, why are you coming at her this way? Yeah. And like, what universe do we live in where James is the voice of reason? Like, get out of here. Well, apparently a new one because. <laughs> yeah, that was that was intense. Um, oof. Yeah, I don't know. And I loved Allie. I mean, I know we're. Zooming forward. But oh, yeah. Allie, to the it, it's also Ariana's bush. <laughs> yeah. So James does decide to go to Tom's birthday party for like a hot minute. And then Tom proceeds to do exactly what he did to Nick, which is like zero accountability. Yeah. Let's talk about that conversation really quick. Um, so James goes to the party with basically just with the intention of having a conversation with Tom. Ali decides she's not going inside. Totally respect it. Um, they sit down. <laughs> yeah, she's going to sit in the car. Yeah, she's like, I'll stay out here. Don't tell them I'm, I'm in the car. So they sit down. And I think James was just very straightforward with, like, 
his intention with that conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't seen you or heard from you and I kind of feel like you owe me an apology. And I feel like Tom does owe James an apology. Yes. And so instead of taking accountability and apologizing and trying to like maintain some sort of relationship with James, Tom defensively decides to bring up the fact that James fucked Kristen 10 years ago. And it was 10 years ago. They've been really coming in with the flashbacks. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And again, such a different situation where Kristen and Tom even together. And like, I get it. And neither was James and Raquel, but like they were engaged. There's so much context there that Tom is just like not grasping. And it's also like, why are you holding on to this? Like, if you were hurt by James, this is something that should have been resolved a long time ago because your relationship with James has moved forward in every other way. Yeah. And so now to pull that out of your back pocket after you've managed to, like, really hurt him, that's really unfair. Yeah, it's dirty. Um, So, I don't know. That was frustrating. I, I recently just watched an episode where Tom Sandoval referenced one of the best days of his life being the day that he and Kristen broke up. Ugh. So it's it's hard when it feels like yes. he's just manipulating the situation to benefit him in whichever way it can in the moment instead of actually being in tune with who he's hurt by, how he feels about it. Yeah, and there is a world in which James can apologize for that to Tom. But I think first things first, you just Tom really needs to start taking responsibility for the harm that he did. And he just seems wholly incapable of recognizing that. And he somehow thinks that his life being the mess that it is warrants people to be nice to him, forgive him, forget that he's a total fucking asshole. It's like it's it's really unhinged behavior. I did love James saying, you know, you've been gone. I haven't seen you, but I've seen you on social media. You sure have been out there doing things. You seem fine. <laughs> yeah. What do you make of Tom? Shade. Tom uh, saying that he had to tour because he didn't have money. I think he would have toured regardless. Um, yeah, for sure. Some insight into his financial situation was interesting, but I do think he would have toured regardless. Yeah. And I think, too, kind of about his financial situation, he, oh, excuse me, he was the one who wanted to refinance the house to fund Schwartz and Sandy's. Yeah. So he then basically, when you refinance, you're like, if I understand it correctly, you are starting your mortgage over again. You're cashing in on your equity. Mm -hmm. Or a portion of your equity. Yeah. Like, it does then fall to Tom, I think, to be responsible for some of that mortgage, especially considering he was going to break up with Ariana, I guess, according to him. Like, why then did you let her go through with a refinance of the house? And if that's the case, then you know what? It is his responsibility to be paying for it right now. Like, there's a lot of confusion around the finances. Um, you know, cause Ariana did say that she co-signed on the refinance, refinancing, but I guess she, she later found out that she was overpaying on the mortgage. And so her reaction to that was to stop paying anything because she felt like he owed her money for that. And so then it just, from what I understand, it just spiraled into 
Tom being financially responsible for everything, her not knowing how much money he owed her, and just kind of that was just fueling the fire that already existed between them. Yeah. Um, I don't know who is in the right or wrong in that situation, but I'm just saying like finances in a relationship are so hard when you love each other. So I can't imagine working out finances when you want to tear someone apart. <laughs> oh yeah. I love to we're skipping all over the place, but kind of when Tom was telling Schwartz that he had to tour for his finances, um, it came up that Schwartz got invited to emo night, oh, which yeah. is the same night as Tom's birthday and was like really conflicted on what he was going to do. Let's talk about that conversation between Schwartz and Sandoval. One of my biggest takeaways, and don't get me wrong, I have a list of issues with Schwartz, but I was so impressed that Schwartz was capable of having a spine and saying some hard truths to Sandoval in that moment. Right. No, just accept what I'm saying. You need to say you're sorry. Yeah, like, Tom, stop. Just say you're sorry. Yeah, which is Tom's problem all over the place. Like, fuck, dude. Uh, Yeah, I loved that. And I think Schwartz was absolutely right. You know, when they asked Tom to take a step back from Schwartz and Sandy's because the business was taking a hit that wasn't like, Hey, take a free vacation on us. That was don't show your face, but you need to be involved. And Tom's total lack of involvement. That guy just like cannot step up. He just is so incapable of thinking about anybody but himself. And Schwartz was already kind of going through some stuff. Like I think at this point, his family was still having a lot of health issues and he was, you know, recovering from his divorce. And so now he's underwater with the business and all the shit that's happening on post Scandival and, and Tom Sandoval is just nowhere to be found. Yeah. And not offering any ounce of support or help. That's wild to me. I, I think Schwartz is absolutely right in being pretty upset. Speaking of, it was not surprising, but so disappointing that Lisa continued to defend Tom. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, uh, Lisa, it is Tom's fault. This is this is on Tom. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed that. Really quick, going back to Tom Sandoval being MIA, it's interesting because on Raquel's podcast um, on episode six, she references when she was in the mental health facility that Tom... Yeah, was really angry with her for being MIA and accused her of just disappearing and leaving him to deal with everything and told her that she was selfish. So that's like an interesting parallel where he was doing that to so many people in his life. And yet he was projecting that onto Raquel, who was actually working through things and getting help. I was going to say to go to a facility to help her with her mental health versus selfish. Tom, who went on tour with his dumb band and then also went on a reality TV show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a pretty big difference in what the two did. And I think had Tom gone to a mental health facility and gotten help, that would be a very different story. Yeah. Like, okay, you're really struggling. We get it. Like, but as James said, we've seen you on social media more than we've wanted to. Like, you're not ta- like, <sighs> Yeah, Tom might not be okay, but Tom is also not doing anything to be better. (laughs) I also think that um, maybe besides Ariana, I think all of Tom's castmates want Tom to level up. Like, no one wants Tom to stay in 
this mental space that he's been in. Like people want him to take accountability and then they want him to learn from it and then they want him to do better. Right. And then I think anyone in in the cast maybe wouldn't have like the same level of friendship, but would be open to maintaining some sort of relationship with him. Yeah. And I think that Tom, instead of doing any of that, is kind of approaching all of this as he is the victim of these women who have, you know, done this to him. And he is the victim of the situation. His business has been ruined. His, you know, band sales have been affected. You know, he is now considered like this villain but he doesn't really connect himself to any of the choices that led him to be all of these things. That's exactly it. Tom is acting like this all just happened to him. Like it didn't just happen. You made choices. You got yourself here. Yeah. And I think like, like when James went up to him, I think that James legitimately does have or did have a close relationship with Sandoval, just with like the way we've seen them grow up together on the show and how much he was like looking up to Sandoval in a lot of ways. And I do think that there was a deep betrayal with the Raquel thing. Even if they had been broken up for months, when someone is your ex fiance, that is a different level of relationship than Kristen and Tom ever were. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I think, I don't even know if it was necessarily about Raquel. I think it was more so just about the fact that he was lying to James and I I don't know. I think that that was I think it was fair for James to like give him the space to say what he needed to say. And the fact that he isn't able to show up and have that conversation with anyone is just kind of it's going to be a long season. Yeah, I'm hard pressed to have any sympathy for Tom Sandoval at this point. Like he you're right. I think he has been given so many opportunities and people are trying to be like, okay, what do you have to say? And then Tom just doubles down and makes the situation worse. When he asked Schwartz if he was still going to, like, be on his side. Ugh. Like, thank God, Schwartz finally was like, I think I'm going to do what's best for me. me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do it. <laughs> like, prioritize your needs. And then, of course, they're still doing too much together. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. that. I don't know. I'm happy that Tom or that Schwartz stood up to Tom, but I I don't know how long lasting that's going to be. Yeah, that's fair. I was, you know, it was like the one time he's ever stood up to him. And I was like, you know, slow clap for Schwartz in that tiny moment. Yeah. Um. Uh, speaking of Schwartz, Allie doing the birth chart reading was so funny to it me. It was so funny. And I love how she wanted to do it because of his lack of direction. Yeah. And then really called out his people pleasing problem. <laughs> hey. I, yes, I told Jess um, like two episodes ago, I was like, I just had an epiphany that Schwartz is such an extreme people pleaser. And that's actually the root of all of his issues. And a piece of me can really identify with the dysfunction and toxicity. there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Not giving him an excuse, but I'm saying. No, but sometimes understanding where people are coming from can help just put behavior into perspective. Like. And I, I will say that once you understand that, like rewiring and unlearning those behaviors is really uncomfortable and really hard. But I hope someday he sits down and tries to. Maybe. Let's hope. That's all we want from people. Like, just grow. Be better. <laughs> yeah. Don't like 
swim in your dysfunction. Ugh, yeah. Um, 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 pump closing. Okay, I didn't know pump closed. I thought it was Villa Blanca. Did they both close? No, Villa Blanca in Vegas. No, no, no. Villa Villa Blanca's in L.A. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I don't just pump. That's the only one I'd ever heard of closing. Oh, man, I'm kind of surprised that pump closed. I don't know why I thought it was Villa Blanca. Um, yeah, that closed kind of in sad. July. Yeah. I was going to say, we need to get our asses out to California and go to, like, one of these restaurants before they completely close. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, end of an era. I definitely remember where, when Schwartz tried to bartend and w- left with a panic attack. Oh, my God. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't hang. I will say the flashbacks, and this is pure speculation. I Googled this morning. There wasn't any news, but all of the flashbacks they're doing make me worried that this is going to be, like, the last season. It feels like it maybe should be the last season. Yeah. I was like, today I really felt that. I had to wake up really early to watch this episode. (laughs) It's sobering at 6 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) A little bit of a different vibe. Um, Than, like, ending your day. With wine. You're, like, coffee trying to process all of this. Um, (laughs) So, but, like, watching the the pump uh, flashback, I was like, oh, oh, I wonder if this is, like, their farewell season maybe they're setting it up just in case um that they don't get renewed because as of right now where i was going with i googled it is there they haven't like season 12 isn't verified or like greenlit so yeah they usually start filming in the summer so we should know by then so this season is so manufactured yeah every conversation every text every I don't know. It really, and I know I touched on this last week by saying, like, we're kind of, like, losing the original magic from the show. But even in this episode, you know, James getting the text from Sandoval as Schwartz is getting his chart read by Allie and just all of this. It's just, and I know that, you know, I watch Housewives. Like, I watch a fair amount of Bravo. I'm not unfamiliar to knowing, like, when someone magically gets a text in the moment that it was very orchestrated. but the show has not always felt this way and I'm, I'm so distracted by how set up everything feels. Yeah, I can see that. I think the volatility of the first few seasons, like sure. Some of that's manufactured, but some of it's definitely not. A lot of times I think they just put a camera in the room and we're like, okay, go. go." Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. And now it's like, okay, everybody's got to go to Tom Tom. Okay, we're going to have a girls' night at the bar. Okay, everybody's going to go do emo night. Schwartz, you're invited, I guess, <laughs> because it's Sandoval's birthday. I will say Ariana and Katie putting on makeup with the, the emo music playing and yeah. Ariana being like, how are you going to do your makeup? And Katie's response, grunge. It was like this little moment that I loved because... That is exactly what two women in a room doing makeup would be. It's like, what are you doing? doing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you is gotta... your vibe? I got to match your vibe. Yeah, I agree. That was very fun. I will say I'm not entirely sure they pulled off emo to me. No. I was like, you guys did like a really glam grunge, but that's not, <laughs> yeah, that's not, not emo. emo. <laughs> you need like really dark, dark black eyeliner. And like more slicked hair and like skinnier jeans. Bangs. Yeah. Yeah. Like the skinniest jeans you can muster, but still having them kind of sliding off your ass. Yep. Vans. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if vans are it, but that's what I all the emo kids in our school. Or or um Chuck Taylors. Yeah. Etnies. Oh, 
throwback. Pulling that from the boat. I wanted a pair so bad. I didn't get them. Uh, Uh, Yeah. But emo night's funny to me. What a random fun thing for them. Um, let's pivot. Um, speaking of emo night to Sheena's emo version of Good as Gold. Yeah, that also didn't read emo to me. Maybe it is. I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry, Sheena. Please don't do screamo. You don't have the pipes for screamo. No, no, that was weird. Sheena's music career has always been bizarre to me, and she deserved all the criticism for that music video. Yeah. I kind of liked the poppier song she released post Scandival about the apples just because it kind of has like an early 2000s Avril Lavigne feel to it. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, you know, she's got some fun beats. And so I think if she stays in the pop lane. She could have a, you know, a couple hits. But why? You're, no, don't do Screamo. No. Stop. So funny. What did you think about her issues? not being comfortable being alone with her daughter or being okay with anyone watching Summer Moon. That broke my heart for her. I yeah. think that one thing I learned is big events like giving birth, I'd imagine, can really trigger things and like trigger in the most like clinical sense of the term, like trigger things that you've already got going on. And for Sheena, it seemed like it really set off her OCD. And mm-hmm. as somebody who like, has crippling anxiety that gets triggered by big events. I found that so relatable and that was really hard to like hear her talk about. I hope that she's been able to work on that and get some traction so that she does feel comfortable being alone with her daughter and like wanting to go out again um, and finding people to like spend time with. Yeah, I think this was one of the first scenes that I've really been able to empathize with Sheena because it was very obvious that she wasn't mentally well and that she was really struggling. And Brock's reaction to her situation made me want to light shit on fire. Like, I can. Yes. Yes. I have had a version of that conversation, you know, with my own partner and with my own family where I'm trying to tell them where I'm coming from or what I'm experiencing and what I'm feeling and just the lack of understanding or the lack of validation or the lack of empathy in those moments when people just aren't capable of really being in tune with what's going on is just so isolating and so infuriating. Yeah, I I didn't write down exactly what he said, but there was something to the effect of like Sheena was explaining what was going on and he's just like, yeah, you just don't want to. Or we used to do this. And it's like, you are not understanding that she is literally, like, even if it's not physically, like, physiologically, something is going on inside of her that is making this too difficult. She's not trying to be like this. This is, she's at the mercy of her OCD, clearly. And Brock being dismissive about that, I just, like, well, she's seeing a therapist. She's being put on medication. You know, she is doing things to make it better. But you can tell that he's he's been dealing with it for a long time and he seems to be at the end of his patience rope where he is just like, we need to fix this. It needs to be different. I want you to be happy again. And unfortunately that's just not how it works. Well, and you know, there is room, of course, there's always room for people's experiences and Brock being a partner to somebody experiencing that. You can have those feelings, but man, he just like communicated that poorly and wrong. (laughs) Yeah. 
And I'm not going to pretend that that's easy to have those conversations, especially with your partner experiencing those things. But that seemed like a way of, you know. Yeah, because this stuff can seriously impact your relationship. Well, yeah, clearly they're not able to go do things. And like he was saying, that they're just not able to get to the things that they need to get to because she spends so much time worrying about what if. Yeah. It's like, okay, but then maybe pick up the slack, my dude. Maybe you need to do more. What are you doing? Sometimes when your partner can only show up 30%, it is your responsibility to do the other 70%. And it doesn't always need to be equal give and take. Yeah, or just try to come from a place of understanding and empathy, even if you don't quite get it. You know, try to give your partner the benefit of the doubt and, you know, do hold your partner accountable for doing what they need to do to be a healthier version of themselves. But also, like, you need to show up with that support. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, she is seeing somebody. She's she said she's been on Zoloft. She's she's hiring process. She's she's bringing a friend over to spend time with Summer Moon. Like she is making strides. She's not letting it. It is maybe consuming her life, but she is doing her best to not allow that to to like be the norm. Well, she doesn't want it to be either. Yeah, she's not having a good time. So I don't know. That was. Brock is such a polarizing person. I like I want to be team Brock, but Brock is like constantly doing things where I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. I know he's into Sheena, but it does like I know. But Sheena has the most questionable taste in men, too. Right. Sheena has a really terrible track record. (laughs) And obviously I want Brock to be good because she had a baby with Brock, you know, so let's hope that Brock just like levels up. And why are we waiting for all the men on this show to level up? Let's dump (laughs) them and go. (laughs) Come on, ladies. Well, you know, she married him. She has a baby with him. So I really hope things work out. But I know, I know that track record isn't the best with the men she picked. No, unfortunately. Um, what else? Do you have anything particularly that you want to add? We already talked about the Lala stuff. Um, I don't think so. Oh, I just, I guess, want to say that I thought Katie also looked really good in the after show. Oh, yeah. I did enjoy James' rant about being angry at Tom Sandoval in the after show as well. Yeah. And I see that. I think they're all within the period of, like, anger still, especially watching Tom in real time continue to do what Tom was doing three months after. Yeah. Like, Tom has not changed. Tom has been consistently Tom, and that would be really upsetting. And I think it's hard to move past something when you're constantly exposed to the same behavior yeah. because it's right you're just you just keep adding to the pile nothing ever is getting taken care of so the the fire is just getting bigger something that ariana said on the after show that was really important to me was if i am not a raging bitch i will be walked over and I know some people think that the way she responded to the party thing was saying, like, I'm going to call the cops or her not moving out of the house, being petty or whatever you want to say. But you also have to understand that this is three months after all of this happened. She's definitely in, like, her rage portion of the, like, processing that experience. And I think she's right. If she isn't a raging bitch and she doesn't create extreme boundaries, Tom will push it. He will get his way. He will walk all over her. And so I think that she knows Tom well enough to know, like, unless I, you know, create a massive wall of boundaries, 
with very explicit neon signs of like what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay with, he's going to worm his way into getting whatever he wants. Yeah. And one thing that's also worth noting, boundaries, I think, on the onset tend to be very rigid and they need to be. And yeah, this is three months later. Ariana having these really strong boundaries makes total sense. And there might be more flexibility as time goes on. But man, Tom, when you watch back all of his behavior, even with Ariana, like him getting really upset about her book deal uh, for the drinks. And he's like, I should have a book deal. I'm the bartender. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and that's just like one example. But he he is perpetually disrespectful, all about him. Dope creep. Yeah. And he just and clearly even now, like I keep saying, like we're seeing that behavior on Nick Vial's podcast. Like this is not a man who is making any strides to be better or different and her standing her ground so that she doesn't get fucked over. Nobody gets to judge that. It's between her and Tom and they're both adults. Yep. You know, no one's getting hurt. There are no children involved. The dog is healthy and taken care of. Like she gets to stay in that house and say no fucking parties, even on your stupid ass birthday. Yep. Yeah. I'm all for it. I think I still can't get over Lala. Man. Dude, shut up. <laughs> Last thing I want to say about Vanderpump was um, when they were talking, when Tom and Tom were talking about how Ariana needed quality time. Oh, yes. And Tom Sandoval was like, I just wanted her to like do mushrooms with me, man. You know, like have experiences with me. And Tom Schwartz jumping in and be like, it wasn't like just about her not doing mushrooms, though. Like Schwartz is always zooping in to like. Well, that's what Ariana had to do for Tom, too. I know. That's such a good point. That also makes me mad because, like, Tom, I think it is about the drugs. I I think think it it is is about the drugs. And, like, drugs are fun, but there is a consequence to pay after the fact. And, like, when you're an adult with a job and you're trying to make money, you can't be drug hungover for days on end. It doesn't work like that. And so for him to just have zero awareness, too, of, like, sometimes you have to grow the fuck up and you don't get to do drugs recreationally as much. Uh, cookies. And some people, one, don't want to do drugs. Yeah, and that's also fine. And also, (laughs) if you have mental health issues, like, you're like, I'm not capable of having a bad trip right now. Just not. And bad trips can really mess you up for a while. So, like, it's, yeah, exactly. You know how you don't have a bad trip? You don't trip. You should be able to create experiences with your partner outside of drinking and doing drugs. Or having to leave the house, even. I'm sorry. Like, I do get that people need to go out. But Tom seems like he needs to be center of attention all about him. Like, it doesn't strike me as somebody that, like, wants to go on a vacation with just him and Ariana. You know, like, it has to be some big production so that Tom is front and center for him to feel good about things. Joe definitely would prefer to stay home a lot of the time. And I want to go out. And so we we try to compromise and spend time with each other doing both things. You know, like, yeah, we'll go out and have dinner every once in a while. And that feels really special and nice. But also we have like a lot of quality time together at home. And I think there has to be a balance of like what fulfills both people's needs. Yeah. And and that is reasonable. But also Tom just feels like. You're not Tom wanting to go out and do the things. <laughs> no, he's he's out of control. It doesn't. I'm feel not like paragliding his... on mushrooms. No. Woo. No. <laughs> Bachelor? Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
What did you think? I think I'm loving this season so much. <laughs> me too. I just want to say I love Maria being like, it's a new day. I'm feeling good. And she goes on and she's like, last night, Sydney and I, and I thought she was going to say, had a really good talk. We put it all behind us. But she's like, Sydney and I got into it and I'm over it and it's fine. And I'm going to just move on. Flash to Sydney. Not okay. Not okay. Let's talk about Sydney. I, okay. Sydney is either a very mean girl. Very mean. She is like a producer plant that is just there to stir shit up because there's nothing else being stirred up. Or she realizes that her and Joey don't have a connection, so she just wants to light shit on fire. Or all three? I don't know. What is your read on the Sydney situation? I really don't like Sydney. And I find that, I don't, I don't know. I guess she could be a producer plant, but it seems to me that this is also like the Karen embodied. This is the person that like is weaponizing all of these things, their tears, their therapy speak and turning it on people. And it makes me really uncomfortable. It's so crazy that I'm like, how is this real? How can she be this mean? I think that we the the thing that's upsetting about this and like Maria isn't a woman of color, but she is incredibly confident and bold. And I think that this is a dynamic that I think black women are often on the receiving end of is that their existence is a problem for white women like Sydney. And it's shocking to me to like see it unfold so blatantly to just be like, what is even going on here? Like none of what you're saying is happening. What world are you living in? This is all wrong. (laughs) I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, next episode, obviously, Joey gives her a fucking rose because they have to save Sydney and Maria for this two on one date which is so obnoxious because I thought that when he was talking to Maria, he realized like, oh, Maria makes more sense. Yeah. Like Like there's more truth to what she's saying. Right. And how surprised and taken aback Maria was by everything and him realizing like, oh, yeah, I need to ask questions. Yeah. I was really blown away that Sydney got a rose. But I wonder if some of the other women will be a little bit more vocal because it's really obnoxious to me at the end of the date when they're kind of having this feud between Sydney and Maria and none of the other women are like responding like I know like please like validate Maria's experience like stand up to Sydney's bullshit like why like Edwina in her ITMs is like I don't think Maria is a bully like I think Maria is very genuine I think she's very bold like I can tell that a lot of the women like Maria and so it's like why aren't you helping her like stand up well I will say Edwina for the win she did leave a comment saying that there wasn't any editing going on that like the way Sydney was portrayed in this episode was how Sydney acted. Wow. So that's wild to me too. Cause sometimes it's always worth remembering that like things can really get edited together in a way that mm-hmm. looks terrible for somebody. And it's like, maybe not that bad. Right. But when you've got the contestants being like, no, it, it was just like this. Yeah, why was no one speaking up? I think maybe because they hear us and we're like, don't get involved in the drama. Yeah, I I kind of realized that as I was saying it. But I also think, um, you know, like when Sydney was like, I'm going to leave if anybody wants to join me. I and nobody joined her. thought that was so funny. I was like, wow, that is telling. She was so certain that she was going to have a girl boss moment. 
and everybody was going to get up and walk out with her. And no one did. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, what's going to happen. I don't um, either. Should we start at the beginning? Was it the one-on-one date first with Jen or was it the group date? It was the group date because they did the the um the pageant. Okay, so we um we enter this cocktail party after party um and a lot of the women are frustrated because Lexi won the title and they didn't think that her showing off her kissing abilities should be considered a talent. This kind of was hilarious to me. Oh, so funny. I loved it all. I I mean, as obnoxious as the kissing thing was, it was a smart move, right? Brilliant. And these women just need to know that you just gotta you gotta use anything you have at your disposal to like leave an impression and make a connection. And they're all just mad they didn't do that. Absolutely. Just like they were all mad that they didn't think about the outfit change, you know? Yeah. Like, get out of here. That was totally within the bounds. I thought Lexi was so, I was here for that. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, and then like Maria I feel, saying she felt stupid. It was like, did you- girl, you were doing like, round off backflip splits like (laughs) you didn't feel stupid it's fine joey is super impressed but like he's got to give other people attention so yeah i don't know i just thought i thought the women's response to lexi winning was kind of hilarious yeah that's just pure jealousy and then there was sydney's like (laughs) cheerleader moment where she was so confident leading that cheer I had to cover my eyes. I wanted to die. Solomon was watching with me, which is very unusual. And he's like, she's taking this too seriously. And I was like, among many other things. But yeah, that was. I thought something was going to happen. I thought she was like building up to something that was going to be like incredible because she was so confident. And then. And so confident that she sits down. She's like, show's over. It didn't build up to anything. Nothing. It was just an awkward cheer with like a slow clap after. Ooh. Oh my god! Ah, sometimes so- I know the secondhand embarrassment can be too intense. So much ick. Yeah, that was that was really really bad. Edwina was brave with her song. That was awesome. Yeah, like so she ah uh, her lyrics. Yeah, it was her cute. like gusto of just I'm gonna do this here for that that was awesome and like i get it i do understand why the women were like lexi but at the end of the day guys it's not an actual fucking talent show it's to win joey's heart so i'm sorry you gotta make some moves yeah that uh i don't know i i enjoyed it i'm really glad they brought back what nancy kathy susan and um april yeah, that was so funny it's to fun me. To see them. They love being on TV. I know they do. Nancy's so normal, though. Like the three of them, April, Susan and uh, Kathy. Kathy are just constantly out of pocket. And then Nancy is lovely. <laughs> She's just like tagged on. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so good to see them. And I yeah. hope we get more Golden Bachelor. Golden oh, Bachelorette. Man. OK, and then we have Jen's date. I have to tell you. Jess, like, I've been sweating over here because up until this point, my team hasn't really been showing up. But this week, my team was batting a thousand. I know. My you team guys... was on fire. Yes. Lexi doing great. Jen is so lovely and delightful. I almost just am like, do you belong on this show? You seem like so normal and amazing. And like, this show better not chew you up and spit you out. 
<laughs> I love their date. I love that she was intimidated by surfing because the one time I tried surfing, I was mortified. And so I can't really imagine doing that on a first date. I can't either. I definitely, they're like, don't hit the bottom of the, the ocean. I'm like, how do you not hit the bottom of the ocean? I got like coral scrapes all down my legs. Like, but I also think it's so cool. It feels like they're doing dates that Joey feels good about. Yeah. And I love that. And so while that is intimidating and tough, I think that's still a cool date. It's also an interesting dynamic to have your first date be something that they're like teaching you how to do something. You know what I mean? Because I do think that it's, I don't know, the few times that Joe has tried to teach me to do something there, there's kind of that like, Oh yeah, it's risky. You know, ego's involved and you're also super insecure and you want to look good and you're uncomfortable. And so, man, I just was so impressed with how well she handled it. Yeah. And them making out in their wetsuits was hot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They are a good looking couple. They would have really cute babies. (laughs) Very. Um, their dinner. I, I hate the trauma dumping. I know, man. I just wish it wasn't part of it, but also there's part of me that's like, that's how you connect with these people. I guess. And that was really heartbreaking to hear her story. Yeah. Just like imagining little Jen in that household. And uh, and Joey has to just show up and make all of these women just feel safe and seen and supported. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that's also draining on him. I am I mean, I was her story was a lot. And that was harrowing. Yeah. A lot. And it, I do think that her story is a little bit more relevant than others because it's like she has been worried about how that's going to impact her ability to have a healthy relationship in the future because that's the only relationship she's seen. Well, that also has been modeled to her. And if she goes to hometowns, like, yeah, you know, having your dad absent is like, well, why that's going to come up. So better to talk about it. But it's also like, that's so hard for her too to feel like she's got to put it all out there and share that. That's maybe you don't want to. Yeah. I, I wonder about that. Um, you know, I don't know what the response is, but sometimes it just feels like having to share those really deep things just should not be something that you owe anybody and that that should not have to be the way that people connect. Like, I know we've talked about it. It just would be better if we somehow connected over joy, but that's not the formula. I don't know if that's how people work, but I just, it makes me sad. And I hope Jen was ready to share that. I hope that she's okay. Unfortunately, it's just a formulaic part of the show. And I also just think that there's such limited time for these two people to get to know each other. And it's like, I guess if you need to know one thing about me, like this is a big part of who I am and why I am the way I am and how I can like show up in a relationship. Um, Right. And like, here's my baggage. But man, that's like a rough first impression. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'd rather just make it on the beach, I think. Yeah. And just be like, you know what? Just going to say I've been in therapy for a long time. I'm a healthy, functioning human being at this point. I've definitely had my fair share of shit that I'm happy to talk about when the time comes. Yeah. Like if I make the fantasy suites, like maybe we can get to know each other better there. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the movies you like, books you read, hobbies you have. You going out? Do you like to stay in? Yeah. Do you want to do mushrooms while paragliding? Or would you rather stay home and watch Love Island? Yeah. Valid questions, good ways of getting to know each other. But the show, I swear the show is like constantly like, tell them, 
get it out there. Share your hard truths. It's like a trauma competition. Like, who is the most fucked up? But willing to show up and be better. And somehow marry Joey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's, uh, I'm excited for her. You're, uh, she's fabulous. She is fabulous. Okay, then we have the tennis date. The tennis date I was love so the tennis date. But I can tell that actually I really enjoyed this because I stopped writing after that. <laughs> I was like so invested in the tennis matches and I thought all of them were such funny pairs together. Yeah, the costumes were great. It made it way less serious. Yes. The butter on the head just from oh Kelsey T. I would be mortified if I had to show up and play tennis because I would be so bad. Um so I, I don't know. The, like, those dates were the ones that stressed me out the most because I know, like, the pressure I'd be putting on myself. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I know. You're... And I would hit the ball way too hard. Just, like, taking people out. <laughs> well, tennis balls are, like, so light. Like, every time I've tried to play, I'm, like, hitting it, you know, over the fence. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. But, man, there is something about... Like, I don't really give a shit about tennis, but watching Joey play tennis, I'm like, wow, that instantly makes him so much more attractive. Yeah, I think people having passions or things that they're really into is always a green flag. Like, it doesn't even matter what, but when you are dedicated to something as an individual, if I know you, I want to know about it. I want to be into it, too, just because, like, yeah, it's cool to see people into things. Yeah, like, I didn't know anything about cycling, road cycling, and then after watching Joe race and Man, it is, it's really cool to see someone who is that dedicated to something that, and they've mastered it to that level. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Joey's also just, I think, a very interesting person at this point. Like, I don't know. I, I get why all the women are into him. I loved him admitting that it was kind of a sexual fantasy to like have all these girls in tennis court and tennis. (laughs) Do you think that they, because not all of them had, Tennis outfit. No, you're right. Okay, I know, no, no. But my question to you is, do you think that they, when they found out it was Joey and that he played tennis, that they just were like, I'm packing my tennis outfit? Well, they should. Right. I would have shopped for a tennis outfit for sure. Really? Oh, yeah. No way. I feel like that is where my imposter syndrome is the most extreme. Like, I don't even want to put on bibs to go cycling because I do not want anybody to think that... I think I know what I'm doing. I'm like, I'll ride in jean shorts. That's fine. Um, So I definitely would not have a tennis outfit. I would like to look as far removed from the thing as possible so that there is no confusion. I am not good. I'm the I am the imposter with my bibs on with my, you know, my pink Italian cycling jersey with my Vans riding my bike. (laughs) Like I'm the worst combination of like trying to pretend like I know what I'm doing with also not even having clip-on shoes. Um, So, yeah, I definitely would have viewed it as an opportunity to, one, create a new look, and two, impress Joey with my fashion. Um, And I would have found the cutest fucking tennis outfit I could have. That's fair. And hit the balls over the fence. Yeah. I don't think I've ever – I've played pickleball, but I've never played tennis. I'd probably do the same thing. Joe and I tried to play together once because I think it'd be fun to be able to do that together. And I think we're going to try pickleball because it seems a little bit more approachable. But the problem is, is when Joe's trying to teach me how to do something, I get frustrated and just want him to stop telling me what to do. Let's do a partner swap. (laughs) Saul can teach you and Joe can teach me. (laughs) 
I'd probably respond nicer to Saul. I would too. I'm like, I don't think I could yell at Joe. I can absolutely yell at Saul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that date. I thought that was also really fun. And Jesse, of course, by trade is a sports caster. Yeah. Or that was, announcer, announce, commentator. commentator. Yeah. yeah, he does commentary. He does so he was like, he was very sports. witty and like on the ball for that. So that was really fun. I'm always here for Jesse's commentary. And they had some professional tennis people that I don't know. That is right. James and Pam Shrivers. I don't know James's last name. I missed that. That's all right. Apparently Joey was geeking out. So. I know. Good for, I'm glad that they got people Joey was excited about. Way to treat the lead right. Yeah. All right. And then we go to not a cocktail party. But a pool party. Pool party. Dude, I saw that pile of biscuits from KFC and I was like, I would have no shame. I would just have like 10. <laughs> okay. Obviously very, you know. That's an ad. That's an ad. Uh, we I was, are not sponsored by KFC, by the way. This is not an ad. On the show, it was an ad. <laughs> I, it was like a little annoying, but it was also hilarious. Yeah, there were like the the Colonel Sanders floaties in the pool. Yeah, and then Daisy talking about how it reminded her about her grandma. And I I will say the whole thing was worth it just to see the part after the episode was over with Jesse floating in the pool, eating his bucket of chicken and trying to say his this is the final rose line. That was meta. Ladies <laughs> kick rocks. I loved it so oh, much. Me too. I thought that was fantastic. Jesse really sealed the deal for me this episode. He's like, I know that my job is stupid. <laughs> right. Which also, like. Everyone knows it's the final rip. Ah, it makes me nervous. I'm like, is The Bachelor getting canceled too? No. Like, no, no, no. Okay. Because okay. it just felt like, I don't know, that was really an interesting view into the episode yeah. or to, not the episode but to the bachelor bachelorette in general but it's fucking true everyone does know it's the final row so why does he have to come out and say it yeah it's so funny <laughs> i really like jesse <laughs> kick rocks um so at the pool party oh, which yeah. everyone said was the worst pool party because it got kind of taken over by sydney. the sydney and maria of it all and sydney is just really out to get Maria. And I'm a little frustrated with, is it Medina? Yeah. I loved the, so Maria went and was like, are we good? Yeah, we're good. And then Sydney just continued to do whatever. And Medina was like not doing, and not that it is Medina's responsibility, but she could have diffused it by just being like, Sydney, it's fine. I'm fine. Let's move yeah, on. Like Maria and I talked about it. She apologized. I'm feeling like we're okay. I don't want this to be a thing anymore. Well, it's not a thing anymore between Medina and Maria. Know, but it's... now Sydney's making herself the victim in Ugh, this yep. non-existent <laughs> situation. I know. it's That was the most wild situation that she just somehow made that all about her. That was some, if you ever want to know what it's like, how to center yourself. Sydney just put on a class act performance on that. Not a class act, but like a, a but like a, that was not a class act, but she like, that is how you do it. It's so far fetched and not true. It's wild to watch her say everything she's saying to Joey with such conviction. And that's why I'm like, what are you? I don't, I don't understand who you are. I get the sense that that is who she is. She also posted a video about gaslighting on her Instagram no, page. No, she did not. Yeah. She wanted those like putting on makeup 
videos. It has since been deleted, but I can go find it if anybody. She didn't make up tutorial video talking about gaslighting. Yes. She has no self-awareness. Zero. I was shocked by that. And apparently the pushback after this episode, she did delete it. But like, Sydney, what are we doing? Yeah. I think you need to look in the mirror a little bit more and less at your makeup. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, to summarize the episode, um, just a quick reminder. Who's on your team? I have the list right here. My team is Lexi. Jen, Caitlin, and Kelsey P. Yes. And mine is Daisy, Kelsey A, Maria, and Rachel. He hasn't had very much time with Kelsey A, but he really likes her. I know. Kelsey A just, like, really fell to the wayside a little bit here. I think she's going to ramp up. Do you? Okay. Uh, I'm not feeling super great about Maria. I think Maria is going to self-eliminate. I know. You've told me this, and, like, I see it coming. I think she's just going to be so over this like unless he sends Sydney home on the two on one date, I don't know. I hate two on ones. Do you remember the one with Clayton and Shanae and Oh yeah Genevieve? Oh yeah. Yeah. Can we I just I don't know. I think that like obviously the show is women competing against other women. The two on one's just gross. It is gross. And also I guess to that point, like I wanna talk about the word bully because again, you are choosing to be on a show that is clearly competitive. You are vying for one person's affections like Maria is not a bully. That is not bullying. And I think that in reality TV, that gets thrown around way too much. And there are instances of actual bullying. Sydney is bullying Maria. Yeah. She is targeting her. That is. Yes. And like being the victim of it and using her tears as a way of like, no, it's not me. Yes, it is. It's so vile. It's like, mm. This is not okay. So that, yeah, the two-on-one is just like, this is not helping anything. Hot meat kettle. (laughs) Well, in the two-on-one, it's like no one's having a good time. Joey's not having a good time. Maria's not having a good time. Cindy's not having a good time. It's just a suffer fest. Well, and I don't particularly, I mean, I guess other people can chime in if they enjoy the two-on-ones. But so far, I have not enjoyed any two-on-one I've watched. No, and they don't. They used to do them every season. They don't do that anymore. It's only if they have, like, two contestants at odds with each other. Yeah. I mean, who was the one on charity season? It was um Sean and who's the guy in Paradise that, no, like, we were like, you have no substance. Tanner? Tanner. It was Sean and Tanner, right? That's they, right. That they was also each other, so was like, bizarre. That was, okay. a, that was a weird, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. And she ended up not handing out the rose, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, this sucked. I'm not doing it. Well, I've been enjoying the season so far. I have, too. I think it's been really fun. I think I heard more Michael Bolton. So that's fun. They apparently are just going to play Michael Bolton this season. (laughs) Here for it. Sydney getting a rose. Disappointing. Yeah. Not surprised. Edwina went home, didn't she? No, she didn't. Not Edwina. Evelyn. Evelyn. Yeah, it's like you kept Sydney, but you got rid of Evelyn. Evelyn is... Evelyn and Star. Yeah. Which I will say this episode was like the first time I noticed Star. And I was like, who's she? She's beautiful. I know Star's really. Evelyn to me just feels like a misstep. Yeah. I mean, like definitely keep Evelyn. Yeah. That's a bummer. <laughs> well, here we are. Please, um, if you enjoyed listening, rate us, subscribe, leave a review. 
any of those little things really helps us out. And we are so grateful for all of our listeners. Very, very, very grateful. And remember, we're running. Yeah, we're doing a little giveaway, guys. Yeah. So go follow us, like the post, tag your friends. Win $50 to a fun place. And also, there aren't that many tags right now. So the competition is slim. Yeah, you're <laughs> you've got a good chance. So um, we appreciate you very much. Till next time. Okay, bye. Bye. Drama Bonded is produced and hosted by Mandy Booth and Jessica Brumbaugh. Our production manager and editor is Solomon Brumbaugh. Our theme music is by Joe Waters. You can find more of his music streaming on the EP Jupiter Daywatch. Music vocals by Mandy Booth. Graphic designer is Pigeon House. Thank you. Um, 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 um. Oh my God. Oh. Drugs are fun.